Welcome to LOI Central. Just millimeters past the touchline and coming into your living room, it's Dan and Johnny. Yeah, hello and welcome. It's episode five of LOI Central. Uh, and we've a very busy show today as ever. It sounds like we have one every week, of course. But uh, this week we have two old buddies brought together in Pat Fenlon and Alan Reynolds, who's laid low at the moment, not for the first time in his life, but it's hard to believe he is now. He's not even a footballer anymore, but he's uh, suffering from injuries related to Irish under 21 duties, actually. Um, so probably not the first time Pat Finnan uh, had to deal with Alan Reynolds being laid low. But uh, the two lads are going to have a bit of banter on the show about their life and times together at Shelburne and Watford and obviously the, the present and the future. We're going to have uh, Mark McChrystal audio from the Derry City Sean McGrover's game from last night, Tuesday night as well, very shortly. And Adam Foley, the top scorer in the league. Finally, Dan, we got some Finn Harps uh, on the show, despite all the efforts of Ollie Horgan. Um, and obviously, we are with futureticketing.ie. Futureticketing.ie, our sponsor, have added Longford Town to their stable and also include uh, Lingfield. Lingfield, Lingfield, Dan. Uh, There's Lingfield on the head, yeah. Lingfield on the head. Um, yeah, so we'll uh, we'll be hearing from Pat Finn and obviously Alan Reynolds. Very short and Adam Foley. Um, but Dan, I think you're very keen that we start off talking about Greenbox's goal, which you were very quick to uh, extol on Twitter last night. Yeah, no, I mean, what a strike. What a strike. Just inside I, just his like, own half. Just after, I, I've been, you did say to me last night, uh, I'm, not, I'm not hanging you out to dry because I assume you would say the same thing now in discussion. That maybe the keeper could have done better. But it's a bit like the, um, you know, the Mark Travers one for Ireland and, and Mitrovic. I mean, yes, Yes, when the goalkeeper is off. compare those now. No, 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 no. I'm not, but I'm just saying the general point. There was a tone of discussions in the aftermath. Well, listen, if the keeper's off the line, a player should be able to, you know, to score it. Um, and obviously, the Mitrovic one was easier to execute, but I still thought people were playing down. Like, the amount of times you see that opportunity fall the way of a player and it goes over the bar and you never talk about it again. For, e- for even the Mitrovic one on the run. Um, and I think you multiply that by, by you know, many multiples for what Burke tried last night. I mean, yes, there are many times in the game where a player sees a goalkeeper off the line and tries something, but like how many times does it drop short or drop wide? And we never, we never mentioned ever again that the goalkeeper was off his line at that moment. Because, you know, Byron last night, a couple of times, Neuer closes down attacks because his starting position is at the edge of the box um, on many occasions. So for Burke, like in the, in the midst of a, of a sort of a scrap for the ball, just that one look up and the technique to execute it. Like it's genuinely top class, like a really exceptionally good goal. And Was there then, any real surprise that he scored? Like when you just see Graham Burke, uh, he, he, you can see what he's trying to do from halfway. He has the technical ability. Um, I, I wasn't surprised that he pulled it off because he's just such a good player. And watching the game. So are you last, surprised? Would you be surprised if he missed? Um, I'd be surprised if he missed by much, yeah. Surprised. Okay. He certainly was going to be close. And that ball was basically going in the second he hit it. Um, I oh, no, keep, no, no, I know yeah, what you're saying. But like, I just, I'm just saying, if, if it was that easy, even, oh, for yeah, the best yeah. player, even, it, even for the best players, even for the very best players in the world, there would be more goals scored like that. Like, I'm, I'm a strange one because, scoring. yeah, I, I'm a strange one because um, I, I find uh, like Conan Burns' goal wouldn't really do it for me, even though it's outrageously good. I prefer like something where there's maybe six or seven players involved or, um, something that is closer to goal but i like i could never hit the ball very far when i played either so i i just it's it's outrageous ability also the fact that 
it's all well and good being able to hit the ball that far, but just he, he hit it so he probably couldn't have hit it any better, really, Graham Burke. And I was watching the game thinking, if you have Graham Burke, Dylan Watts, and Danny Mandrew on the pitch, which Shamrock Rovers are going to have a lot this season, they're going to be very, very good to watch because they're just technically very good players. And they're, there were triangles among the three of them and other players last night, Dan. That you know, did you did you did you watch the game thinking, yeah, the title race is possibly going to be a bit of a foregone conclusion or did you watch the Sligo Rovers game on Saturday and say actually no it won't be I know this I think the same point stands as last week I mean like Derry are bottom of the table like let's just remember you know and no I, I don't think I don't think Rovers are going to steamroll it from early doors I think they'll win it in the end yes but I mean you uh, watching the game at the weekend I mean you know Sligo Rovers found weaknesses at the time they had opportunities you know and I I think more points will be dropped this season than, well, I mean, last season was an 18-game season, but still, Rovers dropped very few points. Um, they, they'll drop more points this season, I think, even proportionately, you know, relative to a number of, of, of games. So, mm. um, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I know Stephen Bradley said they could, have, they could have won the game on Saturday, and I probably could understand where that comes from in terms of even at one-all, there was that really, and it was a very narrow window at one-all, but it was a very impressive how they stepped and tried to go and win it but like you know Sligo had you know had their moments and chances they created in the game even late on at one all they had their moments and I just think I don't, don't think it's going to be that like that straightforward no like but I mean the, 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 then it needs a team to challenge them is, you know it does yeah and the significant thing about last night even that um, you know they, they were able to change their squad around quite a bit you know I assume that's managing sort of workloads or whatever you know like McCann was on the bench Lopez is coming back from his quarantine, and um, you know Max Murphy came in. Mm. You know they 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 they're they're, they're mixing things up and showcasing the squad, and that's obviously that's possibly more ominous. You know, like a team that needs to challenge them. Okay, the Dundalk don't really count at the moment because they're a bit all over the place, but they would have the squad to 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 play a different team up in in Derry. You know, um, if, if, in a circumstance, but like I think, say for example, say Pats and Bowes would find it harder to take key players out of their team and go to a game like that on a Tuesday. Like they, they might be able to make some changes around, you know, the edges, but like you talk about mechanics, totally. something pretty important. You like if you can't see Pat sort of bench and Forrester or something going up midweek or 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 do you know, it might do you know, be. Do you know what's impressed me with Rovers was the fact that they they equalized straight away against um, Pats and like they actually pummeled Sligo after the goal. Like they pummeled them and yeah. the goal came from pressure. And it was kind of like they are stepping up a gear um when needs be and you know, it was reflecting on the fact I, I've sympathy for Derry. We will hear from Mark McChrystal. I've sympathy for them the way the, the season has gone because the red card killed the game against Pats. But that game, Dan, um, that was another another big win for Pats, to be fair. And whereas last season, you know, they started the, the season kind of a bit hit and miss. They've started this season very well. And Ronan Cochran has been among the goals. And it was a kind of a routine win, which ultimately was decided by that red card, I thought. Yeah, no, I mean, like they, they've got into the good habit of just you know, the game is sort of tightly poised and then they get a winner, you know, whereas mm. in recent years it was just tightly poised and it'd be another draw to add to the list of draws. So, so you can analyse the games in isolation, but I think like the bottom line is what's the most impressive thing about them so far. And it's a bit of like, um, I, like I'm not going to repeat what I said last week, but clearly some kind of culture has been instilled in the sense that in every sense, like they're finishing games strongly, probably mentally and and physically. Um, what about the boy Dara Burns? What about that goal? Yeah, no, it's a great goal. And like this is 
mean, this is the bonus. Like, it doesn't always happen, say, at the top clubs in our league, you know, as in the, like, even we, t- we talked about, like, in recent years, Rovers have had Brandon Kavanagh and various other, like, I mean, Brazilian made an incredible p- impression and he left. But sometimes, like, you know, for the younger players, it's hard for, like, for example, in the, in the Dundalk era, they never really had, like, a, a young player come in uh, from their own ranks and, like, really set it alight. You know, Cork City would have had a couple, all right. Um, but even the likes of Sean McLaughlin that had been away to UCC or, you know, one or two would come home. So, like, for someone to come up from the uh, the academy, um, the Pats Academy set up, Dara Burns, who's actually been playing his international football for Northern Ireland, the underage level, um, through his uh, parentage, um, and to make an impact, like, it's really impressive. You know, they've got Ben McCormick there as well and, and a couple more coming through won't be the last and then um, that's no, great like, and that's a, like that's a bonus like that you know if, if you can have a player making an impact in that without having to to have to go out and sign them you know like that it's a it's a it's all i think it just gives everyone a real boost and it probably just gives the club's image a bit of a boost as well if they have one or two in terms of you know competing for other underage players promising underage players because let's be honest it's still a you know there's an economic aspect to all of this i mean if dara burns does well continues to do well he probably possibly becomes an asset and that's it that's what makes the world go around but if you want to attract more players like that to your setup which i know pats are trying to do you need to show there's a pathway that you can play for the first team for sure and in, I, I think in fairness to stevie o'donnell as well he he does want to introduce those players when he's chance but it was a big weekend for st patrick's atleti because of dermot looney's uh, philanthropic behavior in in donating the four-star pizza to um to the vaccination centre in City West, which which was great until we realised that Four Star Pizza can't really deliver to City West. So there was a lot of uh, home and home, but eventually we got there and uh, the, the vaccination centre got their pizza, Dan. Um, and you're going to have a good question later on the show as well, which is TBC. TBC, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll throw it out there later on. But yeah, no, fair play to Dermot. He's, um, uh, he's a good politician. That's a terrible thing to say. He's a socialist. He's a socialist. socialist. Now, this thing about I already had my dinner. I mean, Dermot, I mean, <laughs> like you, you've already had your dinner, but that doesn't stop you eating a pizza two or three hours later. I mean, that's it's absolutely not he's nonsense. Not, he's, he's, listen, in, in theory, like, you know, he's, I've had my dinner already. Like, that's more mm. that's more champagne socialism then, really, isn't it? Like, <laughs> what did he have? He's like, well, I don't need to have a pizza. I've had a, a cocker van there just at a home myself earlier on. You yeah. Know? So but still, yeah. I, we, we applaud the gesture. Um, Got to mention the dog. Got to mention well, the yeah. Um, yeah, the yeah. Bose game was interesting because I thought they were denied a stonewall penalty maybe towards the end of the game. Um, but again, it wasn't a great performance, but they gave away a mad penalty themselves, which to me looked a bit like it was kind of on the edge of the box. But decisions maybe uh, not going their way, but uh, this wasn't a good performance by and large. It was a penalty. I mean, the mad thing is that like, there's definitely no doubt that they, they, they probably could have... And they've got players, Dan. They've got, no, even the, they, the players they bring in, they brought in, are impressing me as individuals, but the collective isn't there at the moment. No. I mean, listen, they could have taken points. Like, the first 10 minutes, they, I wouldn't say they blitz bowls, but they started pretty well. Mm. Like, you know, Andy Boyle hit the bar. They had chances. And yeah, it probably was a penalty at the end. Um, and, and like, you know, they're not making bad decisions at key times. I mean... Even they they started well and were on top, and the, the Bowes penalty came from a series of Dundalk mistakes, you know, culminating with a foul I think was inside the box. But but anyway, like that's that's neither here nor there really. Um, they were one 0 down with a lot of time left to go, and they they couldn't turn it around. Um, they have this bizarre like sort of again, you know, I, as far as I understand, if Filippo um, was was instructed to go to the stand on this occasion and. 
Um, but then like he's obviously from the stand trying to bark down these subs. And like to be honest, like they were one nil down with a half an hour to go, and there was a lot of time left, and they'd met a couple of changes, like you know, at half, you know, bring McElhenney in and place a hand, the Korean who's a winger, but it was started centrally. Like there's an element of some weeks they're just again, they're just making some mad gambles. Um, but then you know, they had 15 minutes of McElhenney in place of hand, and again, they just panic and making a double change. That involves like relocating six players almost four, five, six players, and they lose all their pattern and their flow and everything. So, I mean, there was a real sense after the game on on Friday that change was coming, that people were a change was was a was a foot. Managerial um, change. The managerial change was a foot, and the feeling was that you know Filippo and and uh, Seppi, their days might be numbers. Um, the players were called in for a 9 a.m. training session. Sorry, a 9 a.m. meeting slash training session on Sunday morning, which is generally the sign that something is coming. Um, but it turned out to be a routine training session, which perplexed a couple of people. Now, my understanding of it is, um, I, think, uh, I think the chairman was 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 uh, not keen on the players having the weekend off. Um, I think the chairman does not want to change um the management structure, as far as I, as far as I'm aware, okay. um, there might be um, other people at the club who might hold a different view. Um, and I think one aspect of Sunday there was even, um, I think there was a meeting. Um, I think one aspect of Sunday was a meeting just between uh, Filippo and Giuseppe and the players, no other members of the backroom staff, right, um, or management staff. So it's it's um, the the picture there is very very clouded and bizarre and, and remains bizarre and then um, I think there was a real sense of, of, of people expecting change and it didn't happen but I think I mean if you take anything from this is that the ultimate uh, the ultimate power broker at the dock remains the chairman uh, good words, Dan. To be fair, you've actually illuminated my understanding of what's going on there. Um, and obviously, we should mention as well, Finn Harps, um, big late winner. We'll have Adam Foley on the show. They they went joint top um, as on, on Saturday night. And uh, it, it was just, it was an interesting weekend in terms of um, the first vision as well. Because Goey Knight and Cabin Teeley called off because of bizarre COVID situation, which obviously meant my media duties were, were parked for the weekend. You're unbeaten, you're, you're unbeaten this week. Mm, you know, yeah. you, you, you come under a bit of a internal pressure, but, uh, but external pressure even. Yeah. Um, obviously, with the game against Treaty on Friday night, uh, the the amount of requests from Limerick for uh, journalists to attend the game is actually staggering. Couldn't get over, it, which is a massive mm. problem because only so many people can get in. So almost like negotiating the treaty, you might say, in terms of difficulty <laughs> of getting lads yeah. in the ground. It's not going to be easy, Dan. It's not going to be no, easy. It's just, being it's, a media officer. It's not as glamorous yeah. as you think. In the in the nineteen twenty one season, it's always appropriate. A hundred years on, but uh, <laughs> um, yeah, one yeah. one media officer who's one of my favorites in the league is uh, Lawrence Moore, and he spoke to Mark McChrystal last night after another defeat for Derry City. This time two 0 at home to Shamrock Rovers. Hard to take positives out of any game, but as you say, I think it was a, a step up in performance and better than what we've uh, played the last few weeks. First half hour, I thought they were very much in the game. Um, and then the goal then obviously changes it. As you say, well, on the game, I think uh, um, basically the goal is a sloppy goal again. That's something that we can prevent. And then obviously one 0 down. I think obviously we trying to get ourselves back and then get back on the move we were. But I think we were I think we were comfortable enough up until the goal. And then the second goal ends. A, it's a great strike from him to be fair. But again, it's probably preventable on the build up. Does it make Friday night huge, my Mark? 
Um, it's a big game. As I say, I think it's that tight you've lost four in a row. We've considered eight and scored one, so it's not a good run to be on. But um, yeah, it's a big game. We're all big games. Um, they're going to say during the week still a lot of belief in the squad. Do you share that, Mark? I think you've got to believe, yeah. I think there are, there's definitely talented players in there. They're not showing what they, what they really can do at the minute. Um, and fits and starts probably really, but I think about positive tonight is the two young lads, I thought were our best players by a, a long shot, like young Brendan Barr and Ronan Boyce, and all, full credit to them. Yeah, Pat Finlan, you'd know the Derry accent well. You can't get enough of the Derry accent. You had your time up there. Do you enjoy your time in Derry? I know it was short lived, but. I did enjoy it. I was, like I said, I was only there, I think, about six months in the end and um, just didn't work out. So there's no point in, in dragging it on at the time. But yeah, great people up there and a good football club. So yeah, struggling a little bit at the moment, obviously. What did you make of Graham Burke's goal? Yeah, I think everybody knows Graham probably has that in his locker, hasn't he? He's got that football brain and awareness of where he is on the pitch. And he's, he's capable of doing that. We've seen goals like that, I suppose, scored in all sorts of leagues. So it's just that certain players have that ability you know they're aware of where they are on the pitch without having too much focus and obviously seeing where the keeper was and executed it uh, perfectly so it's a fantastic goal Just We were just talking amongst ourselves uh, lads I might go to you first Rennie um, what, what's the best goal you've been on the pitch for can you recall or even on the sidelines for in, in a game you've been involved in is there like a, a standout goal that, that sticks for you? Can't say any of my own Mark we're up there like <laughs> before Pat says it. But um, no, looking at looking at the game last night, I know a lot of people watched the Champions League, but we happened to us that love the league happened to watch Derry and, and uh, uh, Rovers. But when I was seeing the goal, I was thinking a few years back if Conan Burns scored something similar. But Patrick yeah. about some players that have that knack, and Chris Forrester scored one up in Drada a few years ago. Yeah, um, yes. yeah. you know, which was a really good goal. Uh, and you talk about players that have a knack of it, he, he would. And another one that I was thinking back to was Keith Fahey. Pat, I think you might have been managing yeah. goals at the time. Yeah, and brilliant goal. Goal. Right, um, like you, you see these fellas in and McElhinney shipped in with a few good ones. So I would have to go Chris Forrester's, you know, and even Jordan Flores last year, you know, just been some good goals, but um, not none that I can remember that I would have played with. But I know like the finishers like Jason Bourne, Glenn Crow, they would have been, I'm sure they scored plenty of good goals, but uh, uh, Foresters and, and Fats ones stuck out to me. Yeah, it's great. Like, I mean, the Forrester when I was at that was amazing. The ball just dropped down out of the air, didn't it, off his back or something? And he just caught it perfectly. The technique was immense. And it's just a shame it was like that end of United Park where like, it didn't go around the world as it might have because it's just the stadium, if you know what I mean. It didn't look as good. I didn't have all the angles of it, but it was... At least there was a camera there, Dan. Like, I remember Bobby Ryan scoring in Belfield, and I think there were about 20 people in the ground, including the players, and it was an outrageous skill, but I, I'm, I'm only remembering it on, on my recollection because there was no video, you know? Well, well I was just going to say, there was a, I think, was there a famous Paul Byrne goal for Bowes years ago out in Bray from like halfway, but I think it might even got disallowed. I think it came back off the stanchion or something, and it, like, it was an amazing goal, but it was... There was no even TV cameras there to verify it. But I don't know, Pat, is there any goals even going back in time? I'm trying to think, is there any special goals? I mean, Tony Sheridan probably did a couple and the people will remember, yeah, I mean, but even cup any others. But yeah. it, 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 that's what I'm saying. They, they're the likes of Sheridan and Fats and them boys. They, they have that capability. And I think you're always looking at different goals. Them type of goals, the one that Rennie's talking about, Fats at Dynamite against us was, was brilliant. And probably there wasn't many more on the pitch probably could have scored against Morph, but it's 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 them type of goals that probably stand out, but then there's 
team goals, there's individual finishes. You mentioned Delisa Crowey and Jason Bourne, Stephen Gagan, Gary Haylock, you know, all brilliant goal scorers. But probably the one that stands out for me for for being involved in the game, not a league, well, it was a League of Ireland team, but not a league, it was Dave Rogers' goal in Europe. I mean, yeah. that is just a fantastic goal, but also what what it, what it meant. So, listen, there's loads. I can go back to watching the great Rovers team and Liam O'Brien and Mick Neville scoring brilliant free kicks, Pat Bourne, Mick Bourne, no lack. And so there's, there's loads, but I think the, the likes of Grain's goal last night are where you're looking at individuals that just have pure ability and can see things like that in a split second and can execute them properly, you know? You mentioned Paul Byrne, Dan, because Curtis Byrne, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not kidding, Curtis Byrne tried a shot in that loan against Galway last week that was absolutely outrageous and it hit the bar and it would have been one of the best goals I've ever seen live and it definitely isn't from uh, from the wind he brought it. But we were we were mentioning um, Chris Forrester, obviously, and Pats have made a good start to the league. I suppose just to start me, Pat, what have you made of it all looking from afar? We'll, we'll get your, your take on um, Linfield as well and, and your title race as well, but what have you made of the League of Ireland so far? It's been interesting, hasn't it? It's it's, it's probably good um, from a, a neutral's point of view. Looking in, you're thinking, okay, there's not the familiar faces of Dundalk and Cork for a period and Rovers and Dundalk. Rovers obviously now starting to creep back into it with, with their game in hand last night. Um, but it's good to see other teams up there and just, you know, it's a good start to the league that it's not runaway uh, two-horse race. So um, I've, I've haven't caught too many games. I've, I've, I've been to watch Shells a couple of times and... Um, I've watched a few of the games on on the TV, obviously, you know. So, I, I think it's a slow burner at the moment. I don't think anybody in the in the top end of it has really hit top form. Obviously, Pats have had a good start to the season, no doubt about that. And Bowes slow burner as well. Rovers, I don't think have settled on maybe a team that suits them. On Doc, <laughs> don't know what to say. Where do you um, start with them? Yeah, I, I I don't know. I don't know where to start them because we tried to get John Gill on the show, yeah, where but they are. pissed him off so much he wouldn't come on. So uh, yeah, we just got you and said Pat. But yeah, it, it, is, it is. But he's not answering said... my calls, John. He won't, he, <laughs> Giller's given it large on Twitter, but he won't. He won't respond to messages away from it. But that's a different. Uh, it's a different story. He's got his fan base I, to look after. Yeah, I don't. I don't think there's. I don't think there's anywhere to start. I think it explains itself, doesn't it? At the moment, it's. Uh, it's not good. Um, you know, because the quality of player they have is is obviously still of a of a, of a decent standard. Um, and then you have to give great credit to the likes of Finn Harps. They've had good starts to the season. Um, Fixers probably being kind to them a little bit, and and they've made they've made gains in that, which is the right thing to do. So it's good start to the season from a neutral. I think if you're not if you're not supporting any one team, well then I think it's it's a good start that it's really competitive at the moment. Um, we would have thought it'd probably be. I certainly would have thought maybe two, three horse race, um, and may it may turn into that. But at the moment, it's 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 good to watch from from a neutral's point of view. I'm not sure the ball is brilliant to watch, but I think in relation to the actual way that the league has started is is good view. Yeah, I think there's a couple of points to be made about that. All right, the, the levels of it. I mean, Pat, what Shamrock Rovers are facing this year is trying to retain the title, which is obviously a new challenge. Like it's one thing to pursue it, but you've been there. You've you've had successful defences and you've had years where it didn't you know it didn't happen for you yeah um like what, what what's the difference of trying to defend i mean what's the what are the different pressures that come with it expectation i think expectation um and standards you know you look at rovers last year they were fantastic you know from start to finish um, and i know there's been a lot to talk about but listen they won the league at the end of the day that's that's what i was put in front of them and they went and did the business and um, much better than anybody else yeah, so no question on that for me. Um, it's just that expectation and being able to maintain the standards. But in fairness to Rovers, they, they sort of, 
it's been a slow process, you know, from winning the cup to winning the league. Mm. They've sort of got now successful in the group that they didn't have. Um, so I think there's two ways of looking at that as a manager. You say, okay, that group, can they keep that hunger going forward because they haven't won loads? One or two of them in there probably have, but you know, the, you're hoping that hunger stays within the group to continue to win. Um, and then recruitment is so important. How many players do you need? They've lost probably potentially two of their best players, definitely one of their best players. McAniff had a brilliant season last year as well, so it's how you replace them. But I think the hunger is the key to keeping every everybody driving forward. You know, that hunger of players, do they want to be successful? And I think you can you can listen, I don't I don't think anybody will get near Rovers this year. That's my own personal. You don't opinion. think anyone will get near them? Once they settle on a team, you know, I'm not sure they've Stephen's got that team yet in relation to I think the shape he knows, but I think in relation to the personnel. Um, but I, 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 I don't see anybody touching them to be honest. And uh, again, have they got the hunger to drive and go and, and, and go and win it again? Pat, just on that one, you remember back your shells when you're managing the shells and you went to sign Chloe and Bobby mm. Ryan and all about. I think you were after winning the league the year before, if not mistaken. You brought in these lads, and I see something similar with Stephen Bradley at Rovers. I think last year, you know, their squad was small. Well, Look, they probably had their 19-20, but really there was 15 players that could possibly play, you choosing from. But I look at it this year and I'm going, he's added, you know, a lot more quality. But in that, I suppose, it'll bring a headache. How would you have done it back in the day? I know you're speaking about the hunger and all the rest of it, but it might be a different challenge for Stephen Bradley. Yeah, it's 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 man management then, isn't it? And you, like you say, you were in that situation. It is man management because, you know, some weeks people are not going to play. And it's keeping them keeping them all happy, um, and obviously trying to keep that hunger. Um, but I think I think Rovers will 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 look at this season and think, well, the Champions League is so important, and that new European competition is going to be so important that they will be hoping there's going to be plenty of games for to be able to manage that squad and give everybody game time. Even with their team last last night, they made a, a few changes to you know probably what we'd say is is their settled side, and that's probably where. With Rovers at the moment, it's probably that little. What is their is their best eleven? I think last year the best eleven was fairly easy to name. I think at the moment there's probably two, maybe three spots in that that the manager is 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 mulling over. He's not going to say that publicly, obviously, but but the good thing, like you say, Rennie, is if they change it because they brought in quality, they're not dropping in relation to changing the squad, you know. And that's 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 massive when you're when you're chasing back to back league. So, listen, it's very difficult to do because the hunger aspect of that when you go over the line. People can have a tendency to say, "That's great, we've done that, and it's brilliant." Particularly when you haven't won it for a while, and um, so that's where you, that's where you, you, your staff and the manager come into their own of, of keeping that momentum going. And that get that one with the, the standards, uh, Pat, because uh, from our time in Waterford, like you talk about standards, and I'm going, you know, obviously you come in running the club. You know what I'm going to say here? Just never fuck off and give me a break, yeah. He's going to hang me out to dry here, I know you. <laughs> We're talking about standards, Johnny. Dan, this is another podcast, let me tell you, about this fellow standards. But, you know, coming trying to reach the level every day, the smallest detail, the smallest thing you go up and it pats on you and you're going, Jesus Christ, like, would this fellow ever give me a break here? <laughs> but I suppose that's where Stephen Bradley would be, be with a money pat just to... Yeah, constantly... I, I think most of the things at clubs, when you get in there, I think Waterford is a bit different as well, Randy, wasn't front and not being disrespectful for where it was you know, in that first division, down the bottom end of it, to where we wanted to get it. I think it had to be a firm hand at the start to make sure. I think where Rovers are is completely different. I think they're in a level, you know, that they're everybody knows 
but it's the small details in them standards that are you need to keep on top of because if them small details slip, then it can be used as an excuse and, and people find ways of using that. So I think I think they're completely different scenarios. You're right in relation to Waterford and then with Rovers, it's a different scenario. It's trying to maintain, you know, it's got real quality. And we need to build a, a full squad in Waterford, and you don't forget. So Bradzer is dealing with real quality and add to that quality and being able to add to that quality. Um, yeah, it's interesting because we, sorry, we had, we, had, we had Brian Murphy and Mark Ross that are on last week and they did actually speak about Pat standards in terms of you inherited a good squad from Sean Connor, but maybe it was just some, some of the little details yeah. that were that were needed. But like you, you did have some of the raw materials there, to be fair. You oh, know, absolutely. You inherited, Listen, you know, I inherited a good squad. squad good. Yeah, yeah, but the squad I took over at Bowes was, was really, really good. And like you say, then it's putting your own stamp on it and trying to get the best out of what you have. Um, mm. You know, that when you're when you're when you're at a club that is expecting to win things, then the standards have to be you know set, and players have to know that because the consequences are huge if you don't. Yeah, you, just because yeah. you have to mention it, Rennie. Sorry, sorry, John, just one second because I was looking back to when uh, Rennie, when you signed for Shells, and you mentioned was that 2005? Was it? Was that the yeah, yeah. The, the, the season where you were expected to run away with a pack because you had that sort of high profile signing of? Yeah. Uh, the, the three Bowes lads and Ollie and all that sort of went with it. Yeah. I would have covered a lot of you that season and it was Cork and Derry who went for it and you were hitting your stride a bit later on. Yeah. You actually finished the season okay, but you struggled in the early stages for whatever reason. And like, like Rovers have brought in Sean Gannon and Sean Hoare and they've, they've won everything, you know? So you brought in lads who had won everything. So are you, why didn't it work in the early weeks, if you know what I mean, of that season? Is it just trying to find that chemistry yeah. is, it, is it hunger I, or is it just like is it just everything you know I think the other side of that and you have to be fair as well that there was some good other good sides within the league in that time yeah. there were four or five teams that were capable of winning the league you know and if and if if you if you did have a poor start like we did and it's again it's gelling people into a group you know some of them have come from our biggest rivals you know so there's there's mm. you know, it, it, in fairness to that you know they went again the following year you know and, and did well so it's, I think it, it 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 is it's gelling the group together quickly. But I think, in fairness to that that era, there the, there was maybe four or five other teams that were more than capable. Um, like you said, Derry and Cork were two of them. You know, there were some good sides around then, so you have to be respectful of that as well. And um, yeah. some good players, maybe maybe we didn't find the balance of the team early enough. Um, and like you said, that probably cost us in the end. But again, that's not taken away from from the others. Yeah, yeah. Renny, what do you remember at that time going in to work, having previously already been a manager temporarily, then to, to <laughs> then go in and work under Pat, which is obviously, just, I remember at the time, it was the weird dynamic, a, a manager going back to being a, a player. You know what I mean? Bear in mind now, Renny's just gotten injured on under-21 duty as a manager, so <laughs> anything can happen with this man. <laughs> yeah. And it did. <laughs> yeah, it did, all right. <laughs> no, I, I, like, Tom, when I look back at it, you know, it's something I wish I had done before I'd managed. I'd gone and worked under Pat and after, you know, finished up at Shells, I went down to, to Derry as, as Stephen's assistant. So I wish I hadn't done that before I'd went and managed, even though it had gone reasonably well starting off. But look, I'd be delighted to, to go up and get a taste of full-time football um, and the quality of players that Pat had there with the Wesos, even Jim Crawford, who's at 21s now, Joseph and Doe, all these fellas. I was just... I was just happy to be, I'm not saying happy to be there, obviously I wanted to play, but I understood 
that there were certain times I wasn't going to play, but I, I was still going to be, I suppose, a good teammate, good to be around. But I really enjoyed it, uh, the level of professionalism. Like, there was nothing left to chance. I suppose the way Pat was running was that you had no excuses. So everything was done for you. You went and played on a Friday. If you didn't do your stuff on a Friday, the finger was back at yourself. But it was a really good dressing room. Like, Owen Heary, Stewie, all these lads. Great fellas, like, great fellas. But um, big squad. Um, like I remember that Roger was the one who just stands out Pat that they have to hump if he wasn't playing then we'd all be disappointed but Roger would be the one that would really be disappointed so um, but no I, I have to say I learned a lot from it as I said I wish I'd done it before I uh, managed but um, it was great experience for myself and, and get to, to play and, and to work with the lads over there how much of a problem is that, um, I suppose, to both of you, when you have a squad that is is full of players, really, who are good enough to play and want to play, and Dundalk have a, probably have a major problem in that regard now, because they brought in a load of players who are obviously quite decent, you can already tell, but they can't all play. How do you keep them happy? And then you look at Shamrock Rovers. I mean, Shamrock Rovers could have three or four left-backs alone who'd be very, very competent. How does Stephen Brady keep people happy and hungry? You know, and you're bringing the likes of Danny Mander to the group. He wants to play as well. I think there's a few aspects to it. I mean, I think it starts at your recruitment level. Um, when you go when you go to look what you need for the following season to recruit and you're looking at obviously ability, you know, can they add to the group, can they make you better? Um, it's not just a case of replacing people, can they make you better at times? Um, you know, so and then you're looking at their attitude, like you say to that, that they know you know they're coming into a group where there's a potential that they may not play mm. all the time. You know, so the recruitment end of it is 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 key. And then obviously the man managing end of it is, is the biggest part for, for managers these days. And that's just not League of Ireland. That's everywhere in relation to keeping players happy, you know. Um, but the one thing I will say is if you're winning games, it's very difficult for players who are not playing to uh, to have too much to moan about. You know, it, it, it is a fact. Like if, you, if you're winning games, and, and as a player, I was there as well. I played in some good sides and was left out of my times. And, you know, you just had to bide your time. But I think it, it, it's, it's about... I think the man managing is huge and 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 trying to get the the to the, the players to buy into what you're trying to do as a team. Well, we spoke about that last week, Pat, as well. Brian Murphy was mentioning even Neil Warnock and some of the characters that he's played under. But what were, what were your man managers, man managers rather that really had an effect on you, or maybe that you learned from? I'm thinking Dermot Keeley straight away, obviously. <laughs> yeah, I think I've said this before. I've I've played under good managers when I was a player and sort of tried to take bits and pieces out of them all to take into management. People always ask you, well, who did you learn from? And I mean, I go back to the first days of Brian Kerr when I played for Pats. Um, we had absolutely nothing, but we were so well organised. It was it was fantastic. You know, we, 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 you know, we, and I mean, we had nothing. We had sometimes four or five balls and they wouldn't be the best. We were training on, in the middle of St. Michael's house mm. uh, on Adam, we had to sweep the glass off before training. We're training in the pig pen behind Richmond Park, but we still everything was organised, you know. So it was no excuse. It was it wasn't used as an excuse, and it was a bit. It was helped in relation to the team as well, bonding end of it. And then I was fortunate to play under Raymond Gregg, and well organised, you know, and and tactically very aware because he played at a really high level, um, and all the way through through the, the career, you try to take pieces from them all. But obviously, you want to be your own man as well. Um, I think from my end of it, it's probably not a question. I, Rennie might be better off answering that. I don't know what my attributes were. I know I would have been, in, in the early days, I probably would have been fairly hands-on and 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 
rigid in relation to, to, to most things. Um, I think as it, as it developed, well, then you become a little bit... Because don't forget, I took over a job with a lot of players that I played with and had a really bad start. Was that tough, yeah. Pat? Yeah, absolutely tough. You know, on the basis, it was it was a six-month contract and basically say, here you go, we'll give you a chance. I was still playing. Um, like I said, I'd, I'd, in, I'd inherited a team that I played with that we've been really successful. Some Mates really as well. Players, you know, so... Again, that that's I think that that was that was a help to me in the long long run because I had to deal with disappointing people very early that I would have been close to, which is not easy. Um, but at all at all, it's all a learning curve and it becomes part of your experience as as as, as you grow into being a manager. Rennie, mm. yeah, I suppose you just had us talking about himself and and um, not want to answer in what way he would be. One thing with Pat was up there, definitely was honest. In the sense that um, he called it as he seen it, if there was an issue, there was no, you know, I suppose no fear of, of saying it. Where nowadays you're possibly afraid of hurting people's feelings, but uh, like if you are weren't doing things right, or if you were doing things right, he'd let you know. But also tactically, I mean, you think the players you had that with Wezo and Bobby go through them, and, and a lot of what we were playing back then was nearly four four two and. You were changing and putting Wesley in the 10 as well at times, which wasn't a big thing. Um, I know when Paul Doolan was in the draw, he was bringing in that type. So tactically, just to change things. But like when I was, when I think back to playing, I didn't really look at managers and go, what's he doing? I just, now when you look at, at, at fellas training, you know, they're on YouTube or they're doing courses, seeing what's right, what's right. I never had that. I just wanted to go out and train. And whatever was put on, I'm happy with that. I go and train away, come away from it, never picking holes to go, was that session good? Was it bad? I didn't know any different. I wasn't qualified. All I wanted to fucking do was train and play. <laughs> you know, and now when you look at it and you're going, fellas saying, right, well, what type of session is it today? Or the manager hasn't pulled me before uh, this and being left out. So, you know, and, and even when I went into managing, um, I, I had obviously worked with Stephen at Longford and, and there was other managers, but I had never gone away and said, you know what, I'm taking notes here on, on what I should do and what I shouldn't do. Um, so I suppose my first time managing it was, I suppose, trial and error. I was lucky to have a good group, but Darren Murphy was there and, and Dan Connor, a few good ones. Um, but obviously after that, when you go and work with the likes of Pat Stephen and so on, you, you get to pick up things. But I just see players now and, you know, just play. You know, like, what are you worried about? Like, what are you looking at? Is just be the best you can be in the training session. If it's a passenger, do the thing. You know, do it right. Or if it's a small set of games, don't want to lose, obviously. But um, I think there's a bit of that in it now. But I'd never, I'd never seen myself. I suppose I didn't look that far down the line. Mm. But I mean, Pat, it's interesting. I mean, Pat, like you. I, we actually we put out questions and I think one of the questions was like and I'm sure you get this all the time you know would you like to go back managing you know again as in like you sort of in the dugout sort of management and stuff and I, I don't know what the answer to that is you, you can give us your answer to that now but but on from Martin that same McNeilis, point, yeah would you would you yeah, would you go back but, managing in Scotland or at Linfield again or whatever but 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 on a similar point do you like you, you mentioned maybe some of the characters that you managed do you think management demands a slightly different skill set now because maybe the character of players might be slightly different now um, because they've come through maybe some of them a very, I don't know, a different a different upbringing in a lot of different ways in football. Yeah, I, I think I'll answer the first question. I, I don't have any desire to go back into management. 
Um, you know, <laughs> I like the job I'm doing at the moment. Um, I really enjoyed my time at Waterford working with Rennie because I sort of, I was probably, I was able to see what managers are having to deal with on the base that I had dealt with after a period of time. So like what will Rennie will tell you when we went into the stars, look at the team, get the team ready, have them fit, have them prepared. Tactically, you look after that. Let me worry about the rest. Um, players was all his responsibility, recruitment. I would help him with it, but it was all down to the manager. And I think that's the key to, mm. to that dynamic work and just take away the headaches and all the day-to-day stuff that that he would have had to deal with. And hopefully that that's what he's seen as well. Um, but I, I, I've, I, I've had my time as manager. Like I said, I really enjoy what I'm doing at the moment and and, and I'm working at a fabulous club and, and I like doing, I love doing that. So and the answer to that is no. Why do you say uh, that, Pat? I've, I've had my time as a manager. Do I miss it? I do miss on the pitch. And in fairness to Alan, when I was at Waterford, he probably would have asked me a few times to come down and, and, and do whatever bits and bobs, which I really enjoy um, and, and would have no issue doing that. Um, wouldn't mind getting involved maybe at a, at a different level with, with, with teams if I have the time, but on the pitch, that's it. Um, I don't miss I don't miss the other side of management, I have to be honest. Is it is it, is it different? Absolutely. From when I started at Shelbourne, what was it, 2000 and two or three was it um, two I think yeah. yeah two was it um, it's it's completely different absolutely completely In different what way, I just think players I think I think the game has changed uh, drastically um, you know I think I think you probably said earlier on any with players that you know the players I, I, I worked with were, were the air dressing room at Shells was I would say it was a difficult dressing room, but with plenty of characters in there with strong opinions. And I think that's important at times, but I think the manager's got to manage. Um, and I just think it's changed. The dynamic of that end of it has changed. Whether that's for the good or the bad, that's for other other people well, to decide. You're sitting on the fence, Pat, now. Like, you're sitting on the fence with this. Right? No, no, I have my own opinion on it. Like I said, I don't think, I think you, you can... You can you can go back even further into, you know, managers that I played under, say, the likes of Dermot. You know, I loved playing under Dermot. Dermot couldn't manage today <laughs> absolutely not Why? but I love playing under because Dermot was black and white mm. I knew what Dermot wanted from me absolutely straightforward and tactically really really good um, you know so the game's changed listen that's life has changed not just football there's so much more to go with football now like Rennie says they're, they're aware of of training sessions they're aware of injuries they're aware of you know what what the what the type of injury is and how you treat it. They're aware of everything. Social media has has as as is, is obviously a big aspect of 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 managing now, um, which probably wasn't around, probably creeping in a little bit towards the end of my management career. But I think now it's 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 another issue that a manager's got to deal with at times. So, um, I I I don't miss I don't miss the other side of it. I miss being on the pitch. I miss you know. We played last week against Coleraine, which is a really, really big game. Really big game. And I knew in the build-up to it from being around the manager that it was a big game because I sensed, you know, that, Rennie, probably that, not tension, good tension. You know, really, really, you know, and when the final whistle went, that's the bit you missed. Mm. <laughs> but what yeah. the 90-odd minutes on the line is the, is the other bit I don't miss. Mm. So it's a, it, you have to have the whole lot. And that probably that was one of the reasons why I stopped because I felt I was losing a little bit of, of some of it. So I think if, if that's the case, then you're only being unfair to people that may be looking to give you jobs. Um, but I still I still I, I still think I have a, a fair bit to offer in relation to the football side of it. And like I said, 
you know, looking looking down the road. Um, I wouldn't mind giving someone a hand if that was the case, but even at a smaller level, like I say, but I don't, I've no desire to get back into managing that league of Ireland level. I'm can I, can say, I, yeah, go ahead, Rini. You, you wouldn't, you know, in the role you had at Waterford, like, I don't know if there's many, I, it's hard for me to put a title on what your role was at Waterford, because basically yeah. what I could see you were running the club from top to bottom. And, you know, we were having input and signing players and everything. It was, it was an open forum, yeah. I suppose. But you'd wonder whether other managers would be comfortable with, say, um, the role you were in. If, say, it's director of football, say, come on, like, we'd have a conversation, come on today or this week, what we're planning on doing, get on the pitch. Would other managers be wary of going, look, you know, I suppose where we were at Waterford, we were starting from scratch, so it was all hands on deck to try and get things yeah. up and running. Um, but I'm just wondering whether, I think that managers... Young managers need experience and guidance, which I found great from yourself to, to point me in the direction of certain things. But I think some would also be wary of that, to go, you know what, I'm not having my director of football interfering. I, like, for me, if it's for the better of, I know there's a line that you can't cross, but if it's for the better of the group, why not? Yeah, I think that's that's individual, and he isn't. I think that's the manager has to be comfortable with the people that are working around him. There's there's no doubt about that. For it to work properly, it has to be that way. Um, you know, we've seen great successes in that regard, and we've seen some disasters. Um, so I think it, it's it's just it, it, a manager has to be comfortable. And I think, I mean, my role at Waterford is completely different to my role at, at Linfield. You know, Linfield, it's 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 non-football as such. It's more you know to structure the club, the the the, the run of the club. You know, developing our strategic plan, which we've done now. You know, moving the club to a full-time setup. So, the football end of it, I don't get involved in at all. Um, I speak to the manager every day. We're next door to each other in in, in the office. Um, so, again, I'm only a soundboard if he needs me. Um, and he obviously doesn't need me because <laughs> he's done a fantastic job. So, it's um, it, it, they're different roles. I think they're different roles. But I think, like you say, any managers have to be important. Or have to the, who they have working with them is so important for them that to feel comfortable in their job. Um, and and it, like I said, it it is different now. You have you do have director of football roles at clubs, um, and even in the League of Ireland, we've got that. You know, so so the game has has changed dramatically. But I think the roles I've had probably with Waterford and Linfield are, are totally different. Well, Rennie, just from your perspective, I'm I'm just interested in your take on Dundalk. I was I was just texting James Rogers, who'd be great in the old stats before the show. Filippo in the league. 13 plays, won three, drew four, lost six. They've 13 points out of a possible 39. Um, and I'm not trying to blame anyone here, but did you did you get the sense when you were there that this club was was um in 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 the sense that it was in obviously transition? But did you expect that it would be in the position it is now where the knocker near at the bottom of the table at the start of the season? I know it's early days, but things aren't right. Well, Filippo can blame the manager on that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um now, I didn't know that stat, now the results. But the players are better than that, let's be honest. Um, I haven't, I don't know too many of the lads they've recruited this year. You know, they've been away in international duty, so to get a look at them. But, um, you know, like when I looked at last year when I was there helping out, I just felt it had gone a little bit stale. Um, I wasn't there long enough. Now, I go and say that all the players are all great lads. Um you know, change was probably needed. Um, it's come in, had had the short-term effect that it worked um, with the European, but the league results, um, it, it hasn't. 
But I, I would have expected him to start a lot better um, this year. You know, given time for Lipo and Shane Keegan to be in there, I would expect it to be better. The recruitment is everything. Um, it needed a freshen up, so it's a bit early for me to call that. But I do think they'll, you know, they'll, they'll go on a run, I would have thought, you know, because um, some of their players are too good for that. They get Michael Duffy back firing, Patrick McElhenney. They're really good players um, that need to be challenged. Um so it's the new ones they brought in. I hope so. Look, whether that's answering your question, Johnny, it's just it's it's some lads are gone stale there, and you know, but they are better than what they're showing. Yeah, um, I don't. Know. It's it's just mad. What do you make of St. Pat so far, lads? Um, Stephen O'Donnell, they're playing Dundalk the weekend, and if there is a challenger, maybe Rennie, they could be it. Yeah, very good, very good. I think they have a smaller squad this year, Johnny. Um, Again, we talk about recruitment. It's been mentioned a load of times. I think he's recruited well. You know, there's Matty Smith, Sam Bone, who've come in with John Mountney and, and Paddy Barrett have come in. Really good players. Uh, know the league, knows what it takes. Added in a few young lads that look really good as well. Um, I, like, when I look at it, I just want to make sure, you know, I, I like him to score lots of goals. Um, and whether Matty and, and Ronan Cochran up, up front, they're the ones that need to chip in with it. But I think there's some really good players there. Keeper looks excellent. So, I do expect him to be pushing really high. I'm sure Stevie won't want me to say that to be challenging, but looking at the way it started, any you know anything could happen. Rovers are the team to beat, that's for sure. Mm. Um, yeah, I definitely like what Stevie's done. What do you make of it, Pat? Yeah, I think Pat's. I've seen Pat's in the first game I did uh, up in Talat, and I thought you were quite good against Rovers um, on, on the night. Obviously, they, they've continued that form. Um, obviously, everybody knows last year the problem for Pat's was scoring goals. Um, and they, they they have rectified that. I think Robbie Benson's going to be a huge player for them this season as well. I think what Robbie does, if you've got other goal scorers in the team, he gives he gives he gives defenses a problem with, with the way he plays. Um, they've they've steadied the ship in in that regard. I think there's always an expectation with Pats. You know, Stevie knows that. You know they're 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 a, they're a good club and they've been knocking on the door, challenging for trophies for for a long period of time now. So the expectation is there. And, and it's good for, for Stevie to start he's had as well because he would have been under a little bit of pressure, I would have thought, in the back of last season. Um, but, you know, Pats, Pats have started the season really well. Dundalk, I, I just, I don't know what's going on. Um, I look from the outside, probably like everyone else, and and it just seems to be a bit of a mess, to be honest. You, you know, you, you, from where they were, and I understand Rennie's, Rennie's talk about it, people getting stale and the need changes. I do, I, do, I do see that bit as well. But this is a club that have been dominant for a long period of time, up to last year. So I don't need, I don't think it needed huge changes. And even outside of the football side of the club, there's people have left the club that have been there for a period of time that give you that stability around the club. Yeah. Mm. So it's 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 a peculiar situation. You can listen. The the situation is crazy, and and it's it's a bugbear of mine in relation to to to, to um giving giving managers jobs to people who don't have pro licenses. You know, it's not fair. Uh, for a start, because we we'll continue to 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 ask people to pay big money for co- uh, pro license badges, and the only jobs they need it for in this country is managing the Premier Division. And we we'll continue to see leaving them outside of that loop, the ones who have qualified and are sitting outside without any job. And we continue to give jobs to people who don't have the qualification. That can't be right. That 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 cannot be right. And here's a prime example of 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 a mess that maybe I'm not saying that's caused a mess, but I think that's something that's got to be looked at. You can't continually ask people to to. You know, to cough up and, and pay big money to to, to 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 get your pro license, and then deny them that opportunity to, for the jobs that you need it for. 
you know, by giving them jobs to people who are not qualified. I don't think that's fair. Um, mm. Been on the coaching system very early in my career when I was playing as well. And, you know, you know, the necessity to have it and the reason to have it, you know, well, then then that, that should be the position of, of the league. Um, and I don't think situations like Dundalk are any good for, for the league. You know, never mind what's going on at the dock, but I think people looking from the outside in, it, it, it can't it can't be right. So I, I think there's a lot of good managers that are that are unemployed um, and have the pro license and and can't seem to get back in, in into managing teams. Uh, there seems to be a push towards young managers, which I don't have a problem with at all. At all. Um, but there has to be a place for for the people with the knowledge in the game over the last 20, 25 years. There has to be a place for them people in the game. And if it's not in the League of Ireland, well then where is it for them? You know, when you continuously we're continuously doing that and, and recruiting people and 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 qualifying them at certain uh, at pro license level, where's the jobs for them? Uh, you know, and that that's I think that's important. Going Pat, I think that the, the managers have got to be brave, you know, just say the younger ones. I know that Stevie has Alan Matthews there with him and, and there's probably another few clicks around, but um, they've got to be brave enough to go, do you know what? I'll back myself here, I'm gonna bring in and use the experience and knowledge that, say, the, the experience one has. So, and not to see it as a threat. Um, and I, I suppose um, there's also a worry that would they be looking for their job? You know, you have to look past that and go, look, what's the, the best thing for it here? Um, and be strong enough to back yourself and go, Do you know, you know, if there's a problem, deal with it. But, you know, give it a chance and trust some of, the, you know, the opinions. Like, I mean, some people that aren't working, yeah. I, I agree with that. And if there's also a position for these people to manage these things, yes. you know, to be fair, with experience that managed before, there seems to be, a, and they're not, they're not, they're not by no means over the, over the, over the hill, um, you know. So I don't know, I don't know why that is. Um, well, Pat Brian Murphy mentioned think, Neil Warnock, and that is that. Like, is is there a sense as you get older as a manager and you speak to lads maybe around your age that maybe the older managers get slightly out of vogue and it's almost like the game has passed them by and this becomes the 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 the, the currency I suppose of people talking about the game. Yeah, well, well, well you know, managers going back to, to the, I think I may have been the first pro license group. We've got we've got to re- renew that pro license every three years. You know, so the reason for doing that is to try. You know, keep yourself in in the game, um, and the group that I was involved in, there's very very few of them, and we would have had some high profile people on that group. Now maybe that's some of them by choice, but I know for certain for some others it's not by choice. And um, so I I just think there's room for these people in the game, um, you know, and and I am conscious that you know if we have a set criteria to be the manager, that has to be followed, and it's not being followed. Mm. I think it's interesting. I think. I wouldn't be surprised in time if we hear that even Jim Magilton, who's gone into the dock, might even share that view to some degree. And what we have is, I mean, I think the the, the dynamics of a club are interesting because you've spoken there, lads, about, and I don't want to speculate on this topic generally, but you've spoken there about how, say, a sporting director will interact with, or, you know, a director of football, whatever title you want to give it, will inter- interact with the management team. And like, you know, you, there's boundaries there. And obviously you leave the football side through the football side of things, but you're a bit... I mean, even I go back to like the Ollie Byrne days where you would have dealt with a pretty idiosyncratic chairman to say the least, you know, but the dressing room was the dressing room, you know, and it was even in 2006, like you kept very united as a dressing room when maybe things were a bit fraught outside it. 
and from an from the outside, it does look like it's in Dundalk that they don't have that uh, those boundaries and that harmony that you need, and you're beginning to see that on the pitch to some degree. Now, I don't. That's maybe just me applying yeah. my opinion, but that does seem to be a part of the problem here that the, the conflicting parts of the club are not they're overlapping, and then that's affecting the results. Yeah, I I, I, I take that point, Neil. I think. You know, sometimes egos can have a, a part to play in this. Ollie, like you say, was probably he was a one off, no doubt about that. But Ollie knew where where what he was good at and he and he hopefully knew what I was good at and let me get it. Mm. Didn't get involved whatsoever. Um, and Randy will tell you that even from being a player, Ollie Ollie was the biggest help to, to everybody in the club, players or or manager. Uh, but knew knew what he knew what he knew about and knew what he didn't know about and, and left it like that. That's probably too black and white in these days. Um, you know, so listen, there certain ways of running clubs work for different clubs. I understand that. Um Dundalk, I don't, I don't know what's going on. So it's 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 hard to 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 comment on it. What I will say is there's been a hell of a lot of change in the club on the basis of where the club would be. And that would be my concern. I can understand that if you've really struggled and you're saying we need to try something different, we need to be totally different and see can we get this club back to where it was. That's not the case. They were at the top. You know, for a long period of time under Stephen, they've lost Stephen. That 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 happens in football, and puts a lot of change, a lot of change, and a lot of people in there with titles. And it is people on the outside looking in to say, well, who's actually who's actually in charge? I think is is the, is the fairest question. Um, mm. Like I said, it, it, yeah. different ways of running football clubs. Do you look um, at we'll just, say? Do you look at say Decky Devine now at Derry and say like? There will be pressure on him, but it's four games into the season against Pats. They have a crazy red card in the first half that kind of really decides the game in some respects. They've actually shown a lot of heart. They're playing draw out the weekend, Pat. And you feel that, you know, Decky Devine, at some stage, he he's internally under a lot of pressure as it is anyway. He'll be putting himself under pressure, Decky. I think I'm up there on Friday, actually, and um, I haven't seen too much of Derry. seen a little bit of the game last night, and I thought they were okay for the early parts of it. Um, but look at that that's management isn't it and it's, it's, sometimes it's difficult when you're in that position that you, 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 like you say you're four games into the season they haven't thrown the tail in any of the games as far as you know mm. reading the report talking to people I've seen them and, and seeing bits and pieces of them um, and sometimes it's just something it's a result or, or something can change for you that, that that changes that you know but like I said as, as managers and this is you put yourself under as much pressure as anybody outside uh, the group putting you under pressure you know because you know at the end of the day, it's about winning football matches. Well, on that, we'll say you, you, you and Stephen Kenny, you're both ex Shamrock Rovers managers. Um, what's he feeling at the moment in terms of this? Obviously, this long gap until the next meaningful game and so forth. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. I, I haven't had uh, too much experience of international. I was lucky enough to manage an under twenty three team for a, for a year, but mm. that gap, like you say, between international games must be difficult to deal with because it's not as if you say, "Well, I know what I have." When the next game comes around and I can start to plan in my head and how we're going to work on that, but you don't know probably till a few days prior to that group coming together what exactly you have. Um. So and again, you're you're coming off the back of 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 a poor run of results. And I'm sure Stephen is just wants to get the group together, try to get a win under their belt, and 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 stay focused and moved on. Um. But I think at international level, it's probably about obviously watching players, seeing who's in form, see who's playing every week. There's not a lot of them playing every week, which is obviously an issue when you do get them together. So it's a completely different aspect to managing on a weekly basis at club level. On that, on that, Rennie, I was, I was actually talking to John Caulfield about the uh, the game at the weekend and 
he's looking for a reaction from that long game. And as much as Galway United are obviously looking for the points from the Cavan game, John Caulfield was dying for a game the following week that the players can get straight back into it and I suppose exercise the frustrations. And then you look at the Ireland situation and God, Stephen Kenny doesn't have anything like that. Yeah, it is hard, isn't it? It's just to wait and that period. Uh, and I suppose when you're not getting the results, you know, you even want to come around quicker, like John after. The one just on the Decky one, Decky Divine. I met Decky, there's no doubt he's working hard at it because I met him on the way back last week from Waterford and uh, I'm not sure who they played, but he was down watching because they were playing Waterford the week before. And I can relate to it that he's from the area. It's like me in Waterford that I suppose he's living at every second, every minute, constantly walks outside his front door and he's dealing with people and pressure of a result. So, you know, well, he, he look, he, he has a, a job in his hands and, and that's why he's in it. But I feel for him at the minute. So, and even their game against Pats last week, they were doing reasonably well and the lad was sent off. You know, kills him, it does. You know, stupid uh, two yellow cards. So, look, I hope he bounces back this week against Strada. But on the international, when we have it at the minute with the 21s where... You come out of a camp and, you know, we had a decent result, new group of players. And, you know, but then you're going off and going, right, we're meeting in June. So you're just monitoring to see if they're playing, um, if they're not playing, injuries, form, everything. Because, especially with the 21s, you can see sometimes a lot of them aren't playing too much football. And I think mm. maybe Stephen has a bit of that, Pat, would he, with the, with the senior team to go, yeah. you know, a lot of them are in and out at the minute. So he'll be a lot of planning going ahead. But... Um, he won't know because they speak about this June window. And we'll be the same with the 21s to go who will be available. You know, obviously, it's been a season with COVID and loads of games, and, and some lads will be looking, do they need a rest? The clubs will be looking, do they need a rest? So it'll be hard for them to nail down what they need, but only time will tell. Rennie, we'll probably have people from the Shelburne Persuasion listening in wondering how things are looking there for the season ahead. Uh, you know, are you happy enough with the start of the season? Yeah, look, are we happy with? Performances, no. We know they need to improve. We need to get better. Um, that's for sure. Uh, Alan Caffrey has come in as a sporting director, which you know is similar to your your own role, Pat. Even though I'd say it's more hands on with the the football. So he's starting again. It's going to take time for him to get, I suppose, build a relationship with all the coaches um, and the manager and that. So results, you know, we've got five points um, on the board. But have we played well? No, there's no point in me saying we have. But I think we know that as a group. But there's, there might be 10 new players, so it'll take time to gel and settle down. But we're also looking that we need to get results as we do that. Um, that's important for us. So, look, I'm hoping we'll get better as we go. We, we have a few questions um, sent in, lads. Now, a few of them are aimed at you, uh, Rennie, and I'm, I'm kind of wondering are we going to have to edit these out? So, like, I mean, <laughs> the, the, this, this, the, this may never actually see air, but if you are listening to this and it's about airtime, we're, we're, we're surprised. Uh, Greg Bulger was in touch. Can you ask Alan how the cat, how the cat got into the car bonnet? I don't know. Thanks, if you can say, I don't know if you've seen it. Me, me and Greg and Kenny Brown used to travel to. Uh, That's not a good start. The car cried for training and games or whatever. But Greg asked me to drive his car one day. But obviously, that's where the cat used to sleep, in the, in the engine for the heat. But the rest is history anyway. The car broke history, down and history for the cat anyway. Have his history, I assume. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so that was Greg's doing, but he was on to me last night actually saying that he was on a poor cat, but I don't know what Anim Anim Animal rights might be interested to that one. Um, there was actually one, uh, I think for you, Pat, I think from 
Enda Malloy, where would Owen Doyle rank in strikers you've coached? Owen is still doing it with Bolton this year. Looks like they might come up now from League Two. Yeah, he's still flying, isn't he? He scored at the weekend, I see again. And uh, I think Owen is, Owen is a player that got as much as he can out of his career. I think he've, I signed him at Hibs and he was, um, he played with Lee Griffiths and he probably didn't get the credit he deserved at the time. But, it, you know, obviously Lee got, got a lot of the goals and, um, you know, probably got all the all the relations as well. But I think Doyle's a very good, very, very good striker. Very you're talking about having good people in your dressing room and around. And Owen was one of them. He's a great pro, you know, works really hard at his game, always did from the start. Um and again, there's no managing in the likes of Owen. Um bit different to Rennie now, but there's no the likes of Owen is there is no managing him. He's 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 just one of these players that that wants to continue to improve. And he's proven that by, by, by staying at the level he's at at the moment and still scoring goals. Yeah, no, it's really impressive. Um, I, we had a couple of questions all are, along the same theme. And I know it's obviously one that people have to be uh, sensitive when they speak about it, but it's the, it's the All-Island League concept. I know there's been more reports in, in recent weeks, you know, and it's sort of... Probably wouldn't bring it up in the shankle at the moment, but... Well, I like, you know, it's... it's I, 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 it's, there's, there's obviously like... A, there's, there's 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 diplomatic questions that are raised with this all the time, but I, I don't know, Pat. Like, I mean, do do you feel it's any closer now, or where do you feel it's at? The, no, the, the idea. I don't feel it's any. I don't feel it's any closer. Um, I read the reports last week that came out from seemingly that there's a bit more. Um, I won't say agreement in it, but maybe IFA looking a little bit more favourably towards it. Um, and I did a bit of an article on one of the papers at the weekend, and yeah. And listen, all, all the stuff I spoke about previously in this is about discussions, get around the table, talk. And at the end of the day, if, if that doesn't work and it, it doesn't lead to anything, well, then maybe it can help both leagues if they are staying as they are. You know, out of discussions may come ideas and plans, you know, that may be able to filter into both leagues individually. Uh, and if that happens, great. If there's a further discussion around an All-Ireland League, well, then, you know, that's, that's good as well. I think there's a few things here. It, it, it's can we make the game better on the island? That's mm. that's the key for me on this. Can the game, you know, whether the two leagues stay apart or they 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 merge into one? It's it's all about making the game better. You know, we don't have an industry both north or south uh, for football at the moment. Can that can that be something that that can change? Um, and you're talking about bringing an industry. Obviously, that brings employment, which can only be good and healthy for people. Um, can we raise the standards? Can we make our players better? Can we, you know, make our young players better? You know, more vibrant league, stronger league means we've got better players for international level, whatever the case may be. But, and I said this at the weekend and probably some people weren't, but it, this is all about finances. You know, what will get the clubs talking about this will be if somebody says, here's a pot of money that you're going to get for this to happen. That's when people will, will and in fairness, there has been a lot of dialogue around it. It's been going on for a long period of time with the Kieran Lucid uh, proposals initially, and, and he's done a serious amount of work and he's brought it back on the table. But at the end of the day, the clubs need something in front of them to say, say the likes of Linfield, you know, there's nothing there for Linfield to discuss because there's not an actual, there's no, there's no proposition, there's no description of mm. what this like. This for us, this will be a really hard sell. There's no point in saying anything. We're a members' club and. It's it's what be, what's best for Linfield at the moment. We're in it. The, the league we're in is vibrant. It's gone quite well. It's competitive. We're successful in it, you know. So there's there's lots of questions. But for me, 
the biggest the biggest point of this will be when someone says there's there's a pot of money for teams to participate in that that is going to help you develop your clubs. That's when it will become a, a serious discussion. And, mm-hmm. and that, the OFA are talking about UEFA and being involved in that end of it. That's that's that can only be positive. But like I said, nobody gets hurt in a discussion, and I think it's important that you 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 go as long as far as you can in discussions. And and if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. And, and like I said, there is aspects of that we take into our own leagues separately. Then well then well then great for them as well. Before you, you go, you I think you've uh, sorry, Dan. Yeah. No, go on, Johnny. Go on. Yeah. Before you go, I think you've Ballymean at the weekend via Big David Def. Big Davy, how's he keeping these days? Yeah, big DJ's coming back to, to, to Windsor. He's been back plenty of times. So now it's another another big game for us. We've got a lot of big games coming up. We have played a lot of big games over the last few weeks. So um listen, he, he's done a good job there as well, Davy. They're they're fighting to get into the top six and obviously try qualify for Europe as well. So it won't be easy. I do get the impression uh, that you're kind of on the verge of getting crowds back as well. Yeah, I think you're always you just you just cagey now at this this stage, only because you you don't know what's around the corner, and um, I know there's been hopefully some discussions around it to to, to try, you know, if, if that's something we can push before the end of the season. If it can, great. If it can't, you know, we we, we just got to make sure we finish the season for everybody and and try draw a line on under it, and and hopefully the start of next season brings something different in relation to spectators. Mm. Just, just finally before we let, let you both go. I mean, you, you mentioned earlier about fo- trying to make Linfield full time. Just for people who are listening to this who aren't, you know, maybe wouldn't be following the Irish League. How is the discussion going up there around, you know, transitioning to a version of full time football? I know certain clubs, Glentoran and Larne, and there's been investment in various places. But as a league, where is that going? Yeah, and I think that's healthy. I think you know the likes of Larne and the Glens obviously invest the money in their team. It can only be good for for the league. Uh, term um you know from from where we are as a club i think we, we we like i said we have released our strategic plan over the last month um that's out there now and, and part of that probably the main part of it is to try to transition the club into a full-time setup which we will do from from june this year um but i think and again from experience i think how we do that is, is so important um you know, there's not going to be a massive increase in budget or anything like that. So it, it takes a bit of time to make sure we get to the levels we want to be at. But I think to take the club forward, it's 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 got to happen. I think, you know, the, the club is in a good position at the moment. It's probably the time to try to kick on. And that was part of why I went into the club initially. So, um, yeah, we're, we're, we're looking to, to, to get the club into that situation and try try improve the club listen it's difficult we've won the league for the last two years we're in a good position again this year even though there's a lot of tough games to go post split as well so how do you improve that well I think like we spoke about before you try to keep improving all the standards everything that goes on around the club we've got vibrant academies at girls and boys levels we want to continue to improve them you know so there's you know there's a lot of work for us to do in the community um, you know so there's, there's, there's a huge project for the next four or five years. Can I ask you actually before you go? And you can you may not want to answer this, but just listen to you there. What club is actually closest to your heart at this stage? You get me into trouble with Linfield fans if I tell you the club that's closest to my heart is Glasgow Celtic. So um but Jeez, I wasn't expecting <laughs> that. That's what I've always been. So um that's that's life. Not a good time to be a Glasgow Celtic fan involved in Linfield, I can tell you. Yeah, well, they, they love them. They love them up well, there. there are plenty really, of the miners at the moment who won the league this year, but um, I, th- I think shells must be up there as well if you're going to watch them. A bit listen, I, 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 not just the Grannies there. Yeah, now I've been very lucky. <laughs> the clubs I played for, most of them I've got a really good relationship with, and, and when I go back, I'm, I'm welcome. So, 
Um, but I think you, you 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 develop a club as a as a as a young boy, and I don't think that ever leaves you. So, um, but like I said, I love going back to Tolka. I love going back to Richmond. I don't go back to the Brandywell too much. It's probably the one place where I get a fair bit of flack. And I told you, um, but that's football, isn't it? So, but like I said, there's there's, there's only one club for me in, in relation to, to, to support. Well, it's closed doors game in the Brandywell this Friday anyway, so you'll be you'll be all right, <laughs> or, or maybe you won't. Who knows? Uh, Rennie, before <laughs> Rennie, before we go, uh, give us one name from the 21s camp that you've really enjoyed working with, or a name that you've really a player that's really impressed you. The physio, um, and, and then spell it. He's <laughs> oh, more close sorry. with the physio in the last, the last camp. <laughs> what, what actually? How, how did you manage to get injured between between the two games, <laughs> or between the training session and the game? I was moving too quick, you know. Pat will tell you that one of me. Was, was this in the hotel or on the training pitch, though? Is this, this the is but uh, <laughs> I just listened to Pat talking there. Do you know what? I think it's strong and. I'd love to see Pat back involved in the league here, you know, and, you know, you're listening to him talk about putting structures in place, plans in place, and, you know, I know, look, I'm, I'm close with Pat, so I don't want to be, you know, people that say, oh, look, you're just, you know, backing up your mate and that, but I just think we need people like that in, in this league and the association to help and give advice, and I just listened to there, I suppose it's great, but it's also sad to go, you know, you know, we need people uh, around us trying to make things better here. But players with the 21s, um, I was going to say the centre back, but I can't pronounce his name, so I'll move on to Louis Watson. Andrew Omoba Benelli. Yeah, yeah, him, yeah, yeah. <laughs> very good. But uh, Louis Watson was good, Conor Noss was good. Um, you know, there's some, there's, there's some good ones there. So, look, it was our first camp, first game, but you know, hopefully, come June, we'll, we'll uh, get another look at him again. Should well, ask him, was, he moving, was he moving as quick as he did in the taxi in Bucharest when we were there for you? <laughs> God, can can we even can we can we extrapolate on that? We leave it at that. I'll let Rennie explain that one if he wants to, but I'll leave it as long as it doesn't involve a cat. He wasn't trying to sleep on the engine for heat, was he? No, 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 no cat involved. Rennie, what happened in Bucharest? Absolutely. I blame Wes for that. I didn't know the design side was in the case. Yeah, he said we're good to go, so I've just bent off of him with his vision. But we leave it at that. Right, well, I, we've left that one to the imagination. I, I nearly, lads, I'd nearly love to know that story, but anyway, yeah. <laughs> send, send us in. Listeners can send us in your theory about what happened in Bucharest for next week. We'll try and get through it, you know. Um, uh, but lads, it's been great. It's great having you on. I really appreciate your time, uh, Pat Fenlon and Alan Reynolds. And yeah, we'll talk to you again soon, hopefully. Thanks, lads. Cheers, lads. Yeah, thanks, uh, Alan Reynolds and Pat Finlan. Uh, we're now joined by Adam Foley, who appears to be in transit, actually, at the moment. He's, it's kind of like it's a, it's a video of around the house. Um, Adam Foley, Ollie Horgan, something to the effect that make sure that Ladin doesn't say much on the podcast, I think, was the general message. But uh, hopefully it'll be better than that. No, yeah, I, I got my warnings already. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's going well at the moment. Anyway, I can't complain. Um, we're doing really well. Um, so hopefully, hopefully that continues again. We're looking forward now to the game on on Saturday against Sligo. Um, and yeah, just just looking forward to kind of uh, the preparation. Obviously, already took place once the once the Waterford game was done, and that's kind of how how everyone kind of operates at, at Finn Harps, just one game at a time. Um, and th- this week is now different. It is mad though. You were there getting your you were at a communion, I think. Your god one of your godsons or your goddaughter's communion, and you got a call from Ollie Horgan, which was I think last summer or something. 
Yeah, it was. I was. Um, it was my goddaughter's, um, my little niece, Robin. It was her. Uh, no, sorry, it was actually it was my it was my other it was my other niece, Alexa. It was our, our confirmation. Our, yeah, our communion. Sorry, it was our Alexa communion. and uh, <laughs> Alexa. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. So that that is was, an interesting name. It was, name her, uh, it was her communion, and yeah, it was yeah, she she was named. My brother wanted the Alex in her name after Alex Ferguson, but they have to throw an A at the end of it for Alexa, just to kind of give it that kind of real kind of name. So. Um, yeah, no, I was, I was, I was actually just in my house. We had a big, uh, we had kind of a, a gathering here, obviously with, with lockdown. Um, so we just had kind of just the family that was here and a few drinks. And then just got a phone call off Ollie. I hadn't a clue who it was because he, it wasn't leaving a voicemail, and uh, I didn't understand what his voicemail was either. So eventually, just had to keep on trying to ring him back. Uh, got in touch and then just met him up and, and got the deal done with straight away. Adam, I mean, so you're 31. I actually was doing a, a piece last week looking at the, uh, the, the 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 youngest and oldest players in the league, and actually, there's actually very few players over the age of 30 even playing in the in the League of Ireland now. It's become quite a young man's league. And well, if people are listening to your mm-hmm. accent here, and it's you know, it's clear you're from you know, you're from the south, you know, but you've you've played a lot of your football in the north. And actually, really, like, you know, it's taken you to this stage in your life to really sort of make an impact at sort of League of Ireland level. So, like, where have you been? You know, like, where, what, what, tell us about your sort of your, your football journey that's brought you to here. Because you're like, you're top of the League of Ireland goal scoring charts now, but at 31, not at 21. So, like, tell us how you, how you got here. Yes, yeah, uh, I, I, I was north for a while with, with Glenavon when I was, when I was 23. Um, I always kind of play my football locally here with Glebe North in, in the Lens of Senior League and I was with the Irish amateurs as well and I just kind of got the shout to go to Glenavon. It didn't work out the first spell because I done my cruciate in my second game after I signed so um, that was kind of just kind of really kind of hit home um, more mentally as well as, as physically but kind of it was a tough road to kind of come back from um, if you're out for a year you're missing out on, on we got into Europa League won the Irish Cup and you're missing out on all these all these things and uh, so I kind of left to go back um, Lancer Senior League to kind of get that experience well get get that get that enjoyment back I suppose and then after a few months just kind of hit the ground running again and went up got a shout for Porter Down I was actually going to be signing for Hearts but the manager at the time changed over to Porter Down so I only went there and I already had a, a contract offer from Glen Navin um, pretty much a pre-contract agreement uh, to, to sign in the summer. Um, so that was always my intention was to go back there and, and prove that I could play at the level. Um, and had, had a good few months and just I didn't work out towards the end um, due to other, other reasons than, than football. Um, so kind of just came back home. I was just kind of getting more into the coaching kind of side of things, doing my B license with the IFA. And yeah, so I, I ended up just, I just got a phone call off, uh, off Newry to go back, to go back up and give it a go. And Really, really enjoyed it. Um, found myself getting more kind of improving more as a player um, in my kind of later stages. And it's something I always kind of pride myself on is, is kind of my my work ethic to to constantly try and improve myself. I wouldn't be the most naturally gifted player. I wouldn't be like full of talent and so on, but I work hard at what I do and I try and be as effective as I can with what I do. And thankfully over the last number of years, I say from the age of, 25 to 26 and so on I've kind of gotten more consistent in my game um, and yeah look again the, the phone call came there from Ollie when he, he tried to sign me last year um, so we, so he tells me I don't know if he was telling me Porky's or not but he told, he told me he tried to, tried to sign me last year and and look we just ended up getting the deal done in the end so I, I was just more delighted uh, to kind of get it over the line I had a few offers from League of Ireland before but 
it just didn't work out. I, I, I kind of I was I was enjoying my football when I was up north. Um, it wasn't too far of a travel. So, and then lo and behold, I ended up picking the furthest club away. It's it's enjoyable though. You know, what I mean, I've I've a great I've a, a great lads with me in the car when we go up together. You know, I've Webby, I've Boydie there as well. We pick up Connor Barry along the way, so it's a really good car that we have going up. So you don't really notice the time we stick on our stop off for a coffee. Get it put on a podcast, and you know that by the time that's all done, that um, you're up there and you're back. So it's it's not too bad. I'm used to traveling anyway with my job. So um, yeah, so just that that that's kind of how it all kind of came came about, and more kind of more kind of about me and, and, and what I've been doing to kind of to kind of get to that level and try and sustain myself at that level. Because uh, I was we were only talking about it the other week that there's uh, I think me and Webby are the oldest on the team. I think we're both of us are only thirty one. I think we're the oldest players at, at Harps. Um, so there is a good mix there between I don't consider myself to be too old I think of another hopefully couple of years left in the legs but um, there is a lot of young lads in the league as you said and yeah so look just just kind of showing people that like at least if you're working hard you can you can sustain yourself at that level for, for hopefully a few more years So I, I another thing I read as well that you've got a and I don't know if this to do with your uh, strength and improvement that you've got a diploma in sports psychology. So it's clearly a, a part of the game. Like you, you, You've used your time to educate yourself about different sides of uh, sport and football. And, and that's one of the things you decided to do. What was your reasoning behind it? Uh, it was something that was, um, I, I personally had a few issues myself in my, my early 20s. Um, I always kind of had a, a performance anxiety kind of, kind of thing growing up um, and something that I never knew I never really knew about, I never really kind of, there was never every finger pointing on it, you know what I mean? So it was just something that I really kind of wanted to, to kind of figure out what was what was always holding me back. And it was all kind of mental kind of side of things. And it was something that I always wanted to kind of get involved in. Um, motivation, encouragement, um, anxiety as such, and, and things that can hold kind of a player back that, that they don't really kind of speak about. Um, and some that don't even know about it so it was one of the things where I, I kind of put my foot into the, the sports psychology which I wanted to get involved in and I still want to kind of go a bit further into it because it just opened my mind up a lot more because when I finish playing I want to be going into coaching but I don't want to be a coach for me I want to be a coach for the players because that's what it's about so I started looking at different avenues like the sports psychology which can help you get a better understanding of not only yourself but of other people and, and what they're going through and and how you can treat them as, as person first, player next, you know? Um, and it was something that I was always interested in. And when I kind of started doing more kind of self-evaluation and reflecting and, and imagery, visualization, all that kind of stuff that comes with it, I found it was able to help me quite a lot more with my own performance. So it's just something that I was really keen on. And just ever since then, I've just been, my, my spare time is mostly just, just obviously bar, bar with, with the dog and the missus, but, but there's, it's mostly just with uh, re reading books and, and psychology books and so on and just something that really interests me and something that I hope that will uh, be able to help someone um, further down the line when, when I do go into when I do finish up and go into my coaching more in depth you know that that's very interesting Adam and I do get the impression that um, Ollie and Hegsy as a team or whatever individually they just get this it works because players play for them yeah, they do because it's it's refreshing especially when you're my age now it's refreshing to have a manager and a coaching staff that is, uh, are as honest as them. I mean, you, you, you have seen them, you have, I'm sure he's a interviewed them and talked to them. Um, they're as honest as the day. So it's, it's really refreshing. A lot of people say they want honesty, but when they get honesty, they don't know how to take it and they, they really don't want honesty. And uh, 
the two boys tell you they tell you what it is they tell you how it is and and it's refreshing um and it's really kind of good good to play for um a lot of people kind of a lot of other managers and coaches that i've seen down down the years have been ego driven um arrogance at some at some at some point and just the, the, the lads that we're, we're working for now and what we're playing for it's just it's it's, it's more refreshing to kind of have that um that in, in, in the dressing room and, and in the environment that we're in. And it allows you then to just go and play. Um, yes, it's, it's a lot of work. It is hard. The demands are there. But that, that's, that's what it takes if you want to play football at this level. So if you were going down the coaching route then, um, do you see that as a major advantage that you have that? Whereas you, you're not going to be a very good manager just because you can, you know, you can take a training session or you, you know your tactics because... Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I'm always, I'm always speculating myself anyway that you know a happy player is kind of nearly the most important thing. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, if you make if you make the environment good for the player, I mean, they 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 should be able to excel because you're you're trying to stretch their performance. You're trying to get the best out of them and what they can do. A lot of people kind of shut players down when they get to a certain stage, a certain age, I should say, especially when it comes to development, because. Yeah, a lot of people kind of stop at 16, 17 years of age um, and they fall out of love with the sport and people kind of throw question marks up as, as to why that is. Um, but there's so many late developers like myself. I'm, I'm a late developer and I continue to kind of be that. Um, I think the day you start, I think the day you, you think that you're, you're done improving and developing yourself is the day that you're done. And that's, that's the max kind of, that's the max you're going to go. Um, but I think when you're trying to, you're in there, you're trying to help the player first, uh, sorry, the person first, then the player next, and you're trying to stretch that performance. I think it can go a long way and you can get more out of them, get that extra 10 or 15%. But if you're going in there and just telling them, uh, criticizing them, telling them this, telling them that, yes, there is a certain level of, of probably constructive criticism, as they like to say, that will help get the, improve the player. But there's there's a lot of encouragement and and needs to be in the game instead of just constantly just seeing them as as a ability and that's it because there is a lot more more there's a lot more to the player than just that you know how much is there in Finn Harps now in terms of what you can do this season because um Ollie's been saying obviously six points won't keep us open I know people kind of laugh about that but to be fair like Finn Harps have almost every single year have been down there and I think in fairness to Ollie he's probably right to think you know it's not out of the bounds of possibility that it might be a struggle again this season but more likely for me at the moment you could actually challenge for mid-table or, uh, or something like that what do you think? Yeah look we, we, we're, we're with, with the lads that we have there we, we, we've good experience in the dressing room we keep our feet firmly on the ground and and we don't kind of set targets in terms of the season. I know that the aim is to always remain in, in the division. Um, but you kind of look at the last few months, even before the, the end of the season. I mean, we've 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 collected quite a lot of points. Um, and we we've pushed on and, and we've pushed each other. We've recruited well. The lads have recruited very well um, from from the people that left the club and, and bringing lads in. So there's no reason why we can't obviously go and push on and see 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 where it gets us. I mean, there's there's no targets at the club bar. You want to remain at the Premier Division. That's always the aim at, at Finn Hearts. But I mean, when you when you have a good dressing room, what we have, and when you have Ollie and Higgs there pushing you on, there's no reason why we can't go and, and not just say right, we're just here to remain in the division. We we want to try and push ourselves on further and see where it gets us. It's interesting as well, you, you just referenced the, the squad and the lads, because Dan did a piece with Barry McNamee earlier in the year, um, and he was working in Letter Kenny General, and Barry strikes me as this fella that he's kind of very cognizant of football and, you know, its role in life, and I suppose, you know, ultimately other things that matter, but they just seem a very humble, grounded bunch of lads that you can see in the way they finished the season last season when you came along, then unbelievable. Like, Harps, 
we, we spoke about Filippo Giovagnoli's record at Dundalk um, in 13 games. I, I don't know what Harp's record in the last 13 games is, but it'd be probably up there with Shamrock Rovers. There's something clicking. Yeah, uh, yeah, it is. I think actually, I think I think I seen a stat on it the other day that we had more more points. I think in the last be 13, 14 games than I think than, than anyone in the league. Um, which again, it's a, it's a credit to the boys and what they've done to, to not only the, the way they're, they're kind of drilling home what, what what we're doing and making sure that we're well prepared, but also the recruitment that they've got in. It is a very humble group. Um, as I said, we keep our feet on the ground. There's no big timers in that dressing room. There's no arrogance in that dressing room. I mean, there's just lads who just want to go in there, work hard for each other and 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 see where we can go. Um and, and that's kind of what it's about. And I, I think I think Harps have pride themselves on on that work ethic and and attitude and application um since since they're obviously in the Premier Division. And I think that's something that they want to drive home and, and try kick on. Adam, it's been brilliant having you on. It'd be great to have you on actually um, to talk further down the line as well and uh, about your, I guess, your your future plans subsequent to your career. But um, it's been great seeing your, your goal scoring record. And um, thanks a million for your time today and best of luck against Sligo. Cheers, lads. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Take it easy. Yeah, Adam Foley, one of the humble heroes at Finn Harps, who, uh, along with Sligo Rovers, Dan, of course, are basically challenging for the top of the table at the moment. It's big Northwest Derby. Um, really hoping crowds come back soon. I get the feeling it might not be that far away. I don't know, Johnny. I think we're just... Even 200 or 500 or whatever. We're just, I think we're breaking our hearts to speculating over pandemic stuff, to be honest. Like, you know, vaccine news changing day on day. Mm. Let's just cross that bridge when we come to it, you know? Let's not build false hope. I mean, I hope that's the case, but I mean, there's obviously trials that need to be looked at, but... Um, the pizza would make you feel better. It was. Yeah, you can eat, eat your way through the pandemic. Um, I think a lot so of us have been, to be fair, but anyway, well, yeah. Probably have been, yeah. So so this week's, um, yeah, this week's four-star pizza trivia question is, and it's sort of on a team, and this is actually a bit of a cross-advertising here, because I, through the end, though, I have started a new weekly newsletter, Um Irish football newsletter. And the answer to this question, I think is in last week's newsletter, if I recall correctly, because I was discussing how Brian Gartland's injury, and we should mention, you know, we wish him all the best recovering mm. from his, uh, his ACL problem, that, uh, you know, he was in that weekend's games, like the, the oldest outfield player to play in the, the League of Ireland Premier Division that given weekend to start a game. Sorry, because Daryl Murphy came off the bench. He's the oldest. And Joey O'Brien has been involved just hasn't been involved in recent weeks. He will be, they will be older than Brian Gartland. But basically, the point is how few players there are over the age of 30 in both divisions. So I mentioned there about uh, Adam and his situation. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's up in the top bracket. But, but anyway, the question. In the League of Ireland First Division, there are 12 players aged over uh, 30. Just 12. 12? seen action. Just 12, 30 wow. or over that have played some of this season. The two oldest are goalkeepers. Mark McNulty and Brendan Clark. So no prizes for that. Um, but can our listeners, can they guess or look up or research or check the newsletter last week if they're, if they're subscribed? Um, who was the oldest outfield player in the first division at the moment? Who has played so far in the League of Ireland first division? The oldest outfield player. So, bla- so, so ba- basically your, your question is a blatant plug for your newsletter. Yeah. Yeah. But I actually, I actually can't remember if it was in. And obviously, if you haven't signed up for it yet, you can't get last week's newsletter retrospectively. Well, it might be online somewhere. Yeah. Or really, you can just you can just employ creative techniques to find out the answer to this question or use your instinct. But the oldest outfield player in the first division this year, and um, 
I mean, just to explain the point of how what a sort of a young man's league it is, if you know what I mean, in terms of that, this person hasn't turned 33 yet. Wow. So, so there's a question. Um, fixtures for the weekend ahead. Watford Bowes, Friday. That's the early game. Brayathlone at 7.30. Derry are at home to draw that. Really, really... Are you doing things? Game. Premier, First Division, all over the place. I'm, I'm, Premier I'm, Division. I'm, this is a Premier Division Friday. Premier Division Saturday. First Division. Come on. Premier Division Friday. It's Watford against Bowes, as you said. And then the 7.45 game is Derry City draw that. That is live on RTE. Then on Saturday, we've got the six o'clock games, the treble header. We've got Dundalk against St. Pat's. We've got Shamrock Rovers against Longford. And we've got Sligo Rovers against Finn Harps, as you referenced, the Northwest Derby. We should also mention there's a midweek before our next show. There's going to be mm. a midweek round of games next Tuesday. So we've got Bowes, Sligo, Longford, Finn Harps, Drada, Shamrock Rovers. Interesting game. Pat's against Waterford and Derry against Dundalk. Well, if neither of those side wins at the when neither of those teams win at the weekend, mm. um, that would be a, a, a weird game. Have you got the first division fixtures there, John? Yeah, so Bray, Athlone, Wexford, Cove, UCD, Cabo, Galway, Treaty, they're all on Friday. And then on, uh, that actually might be that. Have I, UCD, Cabinteely, Galway, Treaty, sorry, Cork <laughs> Shells. I, I think I saw Cork Shells and I, 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 I thought it was a Premier Division game, which of course it isn't anymore, even though... For, for time immemorial, Cork and Shells playing would be um, a premiership game. It isn't at the yeah. moment. Yeah, all just... five games on Friday, as you mentioned. For yeah. Reason, so so um, yeah. yeah. So thanks very much to the lads for coming on. Um, yeah, Dan, I, th- I I do think this will be a very interesting weekend ahead because just some teams are under extreme pressure at the moment, um, and as you mentioned, two of them clash next Tuesday. So interesting times ahead. We shall see. Yeah, no, there's definitely a couple of teams looking to get a win on the board, and I suppose, I mean, yeah, the the the, the, the scrutiny will continue on those clubs, I think, um, you know, even if they do get a win this weekend or not. But yeah, we'll be back next week. Thanks a million to our sponsor, futureticketing.ie. Check out the website, uh, uh, growing the stable all the time. Uh, thanks to lads for coming on, and also thanks to Jerry Kyo for putting all of this together.